Hi, it's Candia Raquel, founder of Centro de Poder. Welcome to the Essential Sessions. Today we have a very special guest, Lavinia Plonka, that is an emotional body instructor, an ALVA method and Feldenkrais method practitioner. And she will share with us about sensuality and emotions. Welcome, Lavinia. Thank you, Candia. It's very nice to see you. Could you tell us a little bit about that moment in your life where you became interested on, on, the, on emotions and the physical experience of them through movement? So you, you could say that's like the story of my life. It's the story of everybody's life, right? Because emotion means moving out, right? Emotion. Yeah. So yes. every moment that uh, we ever experience can, connects with emotions in some way or another. But my story actually begins when I was in the theater. I was a performer for over 25 years and my specialty was pantomime. And you know that in a, a mime expresses a story without words. So I was always looking at how we express through the body and exaggerating it and stylizing it. And, you know, I was very good at it. And at the same time, I never understood why, why is this sadness? Why is this sexy? Why is this angry? I could do it, but I didn't know where it was coming from. And then one day I was reading a magazine and there was an excerpt of an interview with Moshe Feldenkrais. And he started to talk about habits and how we develop habits that are physical, mental, and emotional. And he spoke about how we carry the emotions in our bodies and express them in different ways so that each one of us has emotional habits that also get in the way of the life we want to live, if there's certain habits that he called parasitic, emotional habits that are actually interfering with us. And so that got me really intrigued because I felt like, yeah, I have a bunch of emotional habits, but wouldn't it be interesting to understand what those expressions are and how they are manifested in my body? So I began the Feldenkrais training and You know, when I began the Feldenkrais training, I was looking at them from the through the lens of an actor. And so I never even thought about fixing a frozen shoulder or uh, helping somebody's hip joints. I was thinking, how could I understand emotional expression better? How can I understand how to be more effective as a human being in the way I express myself? So when I came into the training and found out that there was going to be this thing called functional integration where I had to teach people, I had never even heard of it. I was looking at everything through the lens of just movement and awareness through movement and how that affected my emotions. So once I got over my shock and started to learn these awareness through movement lessons, every lesson that I, I looked at had some relationship to the emotions. And I was like, doesn't anybody else see this? Doesn't anyone else see that when I'm exploring, reaching in this way, I have a feeling. I'm not just reaching. There's a feeling there. Or when I'm rounding my back, I can round my back in sorrow. I can round my back in acceptance. I can round my back in love. And nobody was seeing that. 
So it made me want to dig deeper and deeper. And at a certain point, I encountered the teachings of Susanna Block. Susanna Block. Who, who was, is, I think she's still alive, uh, a Chilean neuroscientist. Yes. Who was also very interested in the emotions and who also used actors in order to work with her experiments on how different people embody different emotions. And I was fortunate enough to meet a teacher of what was then we called the ALBA method. Uh, and I worked with her for quite a while looking at what Susanna Block called emotional effector patterns. So in other words, they're physical patterns in the body that all humans have. They probably come, you know, if you think about uh, Darwin's book, yes. the expression of oh, emotions yeah. of humans and animals, right? So, so people have noticed this for centuries that, that we have commonalities. You as a biologist know that, you know, when an animal's fur rises up, that's the yes. same thing that happens when the hair on the back of my neck rises up, right? Yes. They're all... They're all primitive patterns in our bodies. And she identified six basic patterns. And notice I'm calling them patterns, yes. not emotions, because emotion is such a loaded word. Yes. Uh, you know, we have so many ideas about what emotions are. And my first experiences with this particular method that was being taught was not really it wasn't really positive because I was coming from a Feldenkrais perspective of, you know, take care of yourself, feel safe, do things a little at a time, study what's going on inside of yourself. And the way the ALBA method was being taught was this is how it's done. Okay. This is how you breathe. This is how you should use your chest. This is how. And so, so I had a little bit of a conflict in myself as I was trying to understand how these patterns work. And as I worked together with this teacher, whose name is Laura Bond, we began to realize that the awareness through movement lessons that I had been collecting through all these years that evoked different things in me could actually be used to help people begin to understand these six basic patterns. So that's the story. It's a kind of a long story. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's it's wonderful. It's it, it paints a very rich and wide picture about emotional patterns. And I got touched and surprised on on your expression of the emotions of sadness, of sensuality, of anger, and especially I felt them. I felt them in my body, and then. I thought about them like, how did Lavinia did that? Like, I mean, I, I got touched because something happened in you and you did it in like a split second. So right. <laughs> that, may, that, that may, made me think about the habitual emotional patterns because I, I saw your, your fluidity changing states like water, like, from ice to fluid water to steam, like fluidly. And thinking about habitual emotional patterns, maybe sometimes we lack that fluidity and we get stuck into a, an emotional pattern and physical pattern that also can lead to disorganization of the anatomy and on the long run lead to chronic injuries or pains so 
the, I, I am just having a fantastic revelation because <laughs> my, my view was that emotions were a response to the environment. Like something happens to me and I, I bloom sensually or I got triggered and my response is anger or sadness. But now I am thinking that also can be the other way around, that, that we're like stuck or frozen or too steamy in, in, in a certain emotional pattern. And then we cannot properly relate to, to the environment that could be affecting on us. I, it's very interesting. Would you tell us a little bit more about uh, how you work with your emotional, with your habitual emotional patterns and what can you do with them? So you, you brought up so many important things just now. So I feel like I have to work a little bit backwards yes. because, you know, I think our, our, what we call emotions are in general reactions to situations in the environment or within ourselves, right? They, we talk about this uh, idea of interoception, right? We have yes. proprioception experiencing ourselves, but interoception is what I'm experiencing in myself. And there have been studies done where they have learned that people who have better interoceptive skills are actually better at regulating their emotions. So when I become aware of what's taking place inside of me, I can become better able to move with my emotions. And I loved that you used the word fluidity because we often talk, to, talk about developing emotional fluency. fluency. So when you think about being fluent in a language and you start to realize that you could become fluent in understanding the, the, what the emotions are saying to you at any given moment, you're more fluent in how you converse. So the, you know, working with the patterns, Susanna Block figured out sort of the breath, the posture and the facial expression that goes with these six particular patterns. And then the idea is that, again, that these are very pure, very basic patterns and that everything that we call emotion are mixtures or, or, or complications based on those six primitive responses. And in, one, in some ways she said that, you know, you could see these particular responses in infants, in babies mm -hmm. very, very quickly, where they, have, they don't have a cognitive thing, but they're using their bodily reactions. And Feldenkrais spoke about, for example, how a baby reacts to a sudden drop in or sudden sounds, right? And so those responses, the response that the baby makes after breastfeeding, that little thing that we, you know, call actually part of the sensual pattern yes. because it's part of pleasure. So she analyzed all of those things. And then Laura actually began to realize how these patterns interact with each other based on whether you're breathing through your nose or breathing through your mouth or breathing through the nose and the mouth and that they are connected to the six patterns. And so then as they began to be labeled, we realized that there were even relationships. For example, the two nose breathing patterns 
the slow, relaxed nose breathing pattern is called tenderness, tenderness. or we call it 1A. But the, the nose breathing pattern that's tense and rapid, dragon-like, is anger. anger. So tenderness yes. and anger, they work together. Yes. Right? And then 2A and 2B, which is 2A is sensuality, which is the subject, right? Yes. Is a mouth breathing pattern. When you think about, you know, you're about to take that slice of pizza. You're about to fall into the Mediterranean. It's a mouth breathing pattern yes. and it's very soft. Everything in the, in, the, in the sensuality pattern is about softness. It's about yielding. It's about allowing. So it has to be very safe yes. to really do the pure pattern of sensuality. You have to be safe. And the opposite to be is <gasps> which is also a mouth yeah. breathing yes. fear, the absolute opposite tension, yes. retreat eyes, right? The eyes and sensuality are closed or almost closed. The eyes and terror are wide open. So you start to see that these patterns relate to each other physically. Yes. And then we mix them together in our lives. Very, very seldom do you experience a pure pattern. But I want to go back. We could talk about this more, but you yes. said something important. Yes. And that is that, the, that we often don't have emotional fluency because of habitual emotional patterns that we live in so that my reactions are either caused by or in relation to my habitual emotional patterns. And I'm pretty sure you're familiar with the writing of Antonio Damasio. Uh, who talked about this idea of foreground and background feelings and mm -hmm. how we live in a state and that that state influences how our foreground emotions are expressed. So that if I live in a constantly depressed state and somebody tells me I won the lottery, I'd be like, okay, that's, that's great. You know, but it wouldn't be necessarily the same kind of joy that someone else who doesn't have a lot of uh, sadness in them would feel. Now that of course could change because if you're depressed because you don't have any money and you find out you have won the lottery, then everything feels different. <laughs> right? So, so that, that, that is very important that none of us walks around in neutral. None of us has a base. We always are living in some kind of state. Even when you're sleeping, you're dreaming and there's emotions going on, right? Yes. So, and there is, there is a breath pattern that we call zero. That when we're training people, we learn that breath pattern. So I know this has no emotion. There's no emotion to zero. And that's because, uh, again, there's no emotion that connects to that particular way of breathing. And then you start there and then you build an emotion through that process. And then what we did was we used Feldenkrais lessons. We use Feldenkrais lessons to help people emotionally prepare for something. And we also use Feldenkrais lessons as what we call restorative practices. For example, if you spend 15, 20 minutes in 2B, you need something to bring you back. 
Yes. And Feldenkrais lessons can really help you with that. And so that process of integrating awareness through movement with these emotional effector patterns has been something that's been very, very rich for me. And I found so many lessons. I don't know how many Feldenkrais lessons you know, but there are, for example, Feldenkrais lessons that involve, you know, rocking the pelvis and letting the head move yes. and then working with opening and closing the jaw. So just think you do that and then you add opening your legs. I'm going to back up just a little. Well, you know, you add opening your legs a yes. little bit so that you're you're working through the pelvic floor as you're rocking your pelvis and you turn that into mouth breathing and you've got sensuality. So sensuality is one of the more difficult patterns to teach because we have such an uptight society in our culture. Yes. And so giving people this Feldenkrais experience where they're completely letting go in every way and then saying, now breathe through your mouth in this particular way, they can access it a lot more easily, right? Different people have different challenges with different yes. emotions. Some people, for example, can't, can't do anger or they can't do um, laughter. So that's what's so beautiful about this training is that you have an opportunity to experience the physiology of these emotions. And you know, you're not being forced to master it or learn it or do it, but you have a taste, you have an understanding and maybe even an understanding of what your own personal obstacles are. So I got off the subject of sensuality. It's wonderful because it's, it's the context of the self-awareness needed also to, to be able to make decisions about what's your state and how do you want to be? And if you want to do something about it, and it's extremely interesting, this serious state of, of breathing, because if you are tremendously stressed, some, someone Uh, stole your bag in the subway or or I don't know whatever happened it's gonna be very difficult to get into the sensuality pattern like just by on yourself and if you're with a partner and, and you had a fight about money well <laughs> okay about sensuality so I like a lot this concept of coming back to you like in all levels of the experience physically physiologically So you make like a, a ground, like a solid, not solid, but a, a ground, a bodily ground for the expressions to, to be worked. And regarding to that, um, yes, I, I can relate with challenges in emotions. For me, it's extremely difficult to, to express anger because I am like more in like the framework of being correct and polite because of my background and education. And maybe also in, in our Western culture, we have an overall restraint to, to the experience of sensuality and the emotional pattern and even the, the building of a habit of sensuality because it, it's, we're more like, control and action and structure oriented and we lack the counterpart like like you said there were two polarities in the of emotions in breath breathing so i believe is 
extremely important to, to find this balance, to be able to travel the full spectrums of your emotional pattern experience to have a really rich life, but in a delivered way, not just like being taken by your circumstances. So would you tell us more about the challenges of sensuality? The challenges of sensuality? Yeah. Why, why is it challenging to, to get into this pattern of sensuality? Um, well, I'm, I'm not an anthropologist, but uh, I feel that the, the times that we live in right now tend to put us more towards to be, right? Fear, the pattern yes. of to be. Uh, we live, many people live in maybe like a low level, right? Because we don't, we don't all walk around like this, but there's a low level all the time right now. Am I going to get COVID? If I'm driving my car, is that car going to cut me off? Uh, as you just said, is somebody going to steal my bag in the subway? Will my lover leave me? Will my boss fire me? There's this constant... You know, who, who just called me? We live in more often in that to be pattern. And one of the things that I love actually about Feldenkrais lessons is that 99% of the time you're lying on the floor, your eyes are closed, you're in a safe room, you don't have to do anything correctly. You're listening to someone who is guiding you. You're giving your weight to the ground. You are safe. Yes. Where 99% of the time in our world, we're not feeling safe. So I feel in so many ways that a Feldenkrais lesson can lead to certain qualities of a low level of this 2A sensuality pattern because I'm giving my weight to the ground. I'm softening. I'm allowing. I'm sensing. The breath is not necessarily the same, okay, because everything is a mix. So we know that long exhales, for example, through the nose, calm the vagus nerve. So there's, there's mixtures there. But that feeling of safety that you have in a Feldenkrais lesson is the opposite of what's going on in most people's lives. And So to come to a place where I feel safe enough to be open, to be soft, to let my eyes close and know that nothing's going to happen, to breathe in a luxurious way is, is challenging. And so many people, we crave, we crave this, this feeling of fulfillment. It's a feeling of fulfillment in a way. And so we look for it in other ways, you know, in television shows or food or sensual pleasures that don't necessarily enter into the body in a way that is healthy. Yes. And yes. That, that, that's where I feel that understanding and practicing this pattern can allow me to open up a little bit to to notice when when are there moments in my life where i can intentionally feel safe secure 
fulfilled, receiving, soft, right? Those are all things, um, you know, if you look at, again, you know, using the idea of babies, you know, if you look at a mother as she's stroking a baby's head and how the baby's like, <laughs> yes, that, that is a pattern in us. And we deserve to be able to use that pattern just like we use anger or fear or anything else. Yes, we so, deserve uh, to use that pattern. Know, but, you know, I've noticed that I went, when, I, when, when we teach this pattern that there are some people who just can't. They're doing the movement of the pelvis and they're doing the movement of the jaw and it feels forced and it feels labored because it's so unfamiliar. Yes. Now that can happen with other patterns as well. So, um, you know, it's interesting. I, I could tell a little story. One time, Laura and I were teaching a workshop where she just wanted to teach what she calls the A patterns, you know, the sort of uh, okay. life filling, you know, tenderness, happiness, sensuality. And she talked about these as the easy patterns. This is years and years ago. This is years ago. And, um, you know, we didn't know that there was somebody in the class who had had um, been abused sexually as a child. And we started working with this tenderness pattern and uh, not tenderness, but the sensuality pattern. And all of a sudden this woman went running out of the room and I went after her and she was sitting in the bathroom and she said, I thought you said these would be the easy patterns. <gasps> so that was a big lesson for us. Yes. We learned that again, how do you make it safe? And we had to back off even more create situations where people can feel absolutely safe in their own skin, in their own environment. And again, that's where Feldenkrais helps instead of trying to impose a pattern on people. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's extremely important to mm -hmm. create a safe space and even back up as much as necessary and not impose a pattern or a view because. And not judge. Oh, that doesn't quite have it yet. We don't. We don't do that. <laughs> you know? No, we don't even know what's behind or why it's that pattern challenging. Mm -hmm. Yes. So sensuality is an emotion. <laughs> that is the subject of our talk, isn't yes. it? Yes. So you know, again, I will say that I want to differentiate between the word emotion, which is so loaded, and yes. an emotional effector pattern. Yes. Because, you know, there are lots of different emotion and embodiment experts out there talking and speaking about many different kinds of basic emotions, right? Yes. Um, Paul Ekman says that, uh, you know, he, he only has, you know, one positive emotion in his, in his six, which is happiness or joy. But everything else is what we would consider to be part of the B quality. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, in ours, we include tenderness and sensuality yes. as emotional effector patterns, along with sadness, fear, anger. Uh, what was the other one? Oh, sadness, fear, anger. And then the, the positive ones, or I, you shouldn't call them positive, but the A's, you know, joy, tenderness, and sensuality. Mm -hmm. So those are our six, those yes. are our six. And his is different in that he includes disgust 
and yeah. and doesn't believe that love of any kind is an emotion but a state so that's a whole other different thing and you know uh, you reacted to disgust with disgust yeah <laughs> <laughs> and and i have questions about that one um the 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 people who are very pure in terms of alba and emotional body feel that disgust is a mixed emotion but i have seen babies and animals respond you know with the nose the nose retreating so i'm not sure so i'm not you know and i again i'm no expert but there's something about the the nose responding in that way and that primitive smell response to something that smells badly that could be connected in some way anyway that's just me it's very uh, interesting how the body doesn't lie well that's true the body doesn't lie uh, it's it's always responding in different ways yeah so coming back to is sensuality an emotion yes so i would say it's an emotional pattern yes and it can be mixed with other things so if for example if a person is having you know an orgasm yes. that's that could be sensuality combined with joy right yes or if i'm looking at someone that i really love it could be sensuality mixed with a little tenderness yes right yes. and if i want to seduce them maybe there's a little bit of a predatory quality to my sensuality so they're always mixed yes right? yes always qualities mhm mm so and so it really depends on the situation but we always think that just about everything is mixed in our lives We're this is so juicy can you tell us more about because it seems like a polarity like sensuality and tenderness and sensuality and anger I I you I understand and your body speaks very clearly. So how is that that how, how can you approach that? Well, I'll give you an example, but you know, again, it's it's hard to do prescriptions just in yes. talking about them. But for example, if you thought of uh say a person who likes to win someone who like is a you know a, someone who manipulates people in a corporate setting or or mm -hmm. a leading general i think of napoleon for example as sensuality plus anger yes he would he had got so much pleasure out of using his anger to direct people could be an example Yes, because it's not the same anger as, as no, sadistic anger. There's pleasure in certain in using yeah. the pattern of anger, and again, remember, it's the pattern of anger. Pattern combining. Pattern of anger can also be concentration. Yes, yes. It yes. Also, be courage, yes. right? Which is mixed with a little bit of something else. Sometimes courage is mixed with a little bit of fear because anger and fear because I'm afraid but I'm going to do it anyway. Yes. Right? So so how do I you know I I can't just say it's one thing. But yes. And and in the emotional body process we actually break down um it, the twos. The twos actually have um an active 
and uh, something else. So in 2B, which is fear, there's the frozen uh, freeze. Response, survival response. To be freeze or to be retreat, right? So uh -huh. Which is running flight. away. So freezing and flight. And uh, 2A in the sensual, there's the receptive and there's also the active. So the receptive is when I'm bringing it to myself and I'm enjoying it for myself. But the active is when I want something for myself. Right, I want it for myself. So the mouth changes a little bit, like maybe I, I want you. And then I add that with a little bit of anger and I've got, I've got you. You think of any wicked witch. You got us. You've got, you've got your sensuality and you've got your anger mixed together there. Yes. Which is why we fall for those villainesses in the movies, right? Yes. Because they have that combination. Yeah. Seductive combination of emotional patterns. It's fascinating to, to see sensuality in the same uh, two labeling or wavelength as mm -hmm. uncombined. Yeah, with, with both fear that has a quality of freezing or running away or the co combination with anger because there is a, a wonderful and controversial discussion about the psoas muscle as the effector of the survival response, which okay. is to fight, to run away to, or freeze as we um, picture in these emotions, but also... It's said that the psoas major, it's the muscle that organizes the vibration in, in all the body of whole body orgasms. Mm -hmm. So it's very interesting that this muscle related to survival and to whole body pleasure can, if we, if we observe sensuality and this inter connections of patterns uh, there can be some some connection or expression there yes really really great points of information i i completely agree because you know some people call the psoas muscle the fear muscle yes and when i go into that pattern that whole area of the self becomes frozen but when i let go into to a sensuality and you know that movement that you know of the pelvic rocking and allowing the legs to open out to the side that would allow the psoas muscle to relax right it's not going to relax if it doesn't feel safe yes so yes. i think that you know that's really very true and then of course the psoas muscle we know also is very connected to the vagus nerve yes the vagus nerve informs the psoas muscle as to whether it should tighten or release. So again, we've got this and, and, you know, we also add sound to our emotional patterns, right? So, you know, to be would be <gasps> right. <gasps> sound, right. And, you know, tenderness would be like, hmm. yeah. mm. and sensuality would be, <sighs> 
right? And there's so much being written right now about humming and low sounds and how they contribute to a deeper orgasm as well as to a sense of safety through the whole polyvagal system. Yes. So we start to see how everything is kind of interconnected. Interconnected and intertwined. This is a fascinating conversation on being alive now. Like knowing you have your, your baggage and you have your aspirations and, and you have the wonderful uh, encounter of the times that is this moment. And we have more elements to, to go into a deeper experience of pleasure and well-being and realization within yourself and its expression into the world. Lavinia, would you share with us like a little taste, a little exploration or a little something about uh, body emotion and the sen sen emotional pattern of sensuality? So it's going to be like an express experience. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But, but in order to really feel how it's different, I do want to give everyone an experience of what it's like for there to be nothing first. Yes. So what we call the zero breath, because then we can go from zero to something instead of trying to just find it right here. And we call it zero because there really is no emotional pattern that we've found so far that has this particular rhythm. And what's interesting for me is that people use this breathing pattern in other things. For example, in, in certain forms of Buddhist meditation, yes. they use the same pattern, inhaling through the nose, exhaling through the mouth. And in Pilates, they do that a lot, <laughs> inhaling through the nose and exhaling through the mouth. But of course, you've got, you've got, some, you've got some anger going on there too. Yeah. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> but, but the feeling of moving uh. the air through that process is there. And the difference in um, the zero breath comparing to Pilates or other things, but it very similar to the Tibetan Buddhist meditation is that the inhale and the exhale are the same length. Yes. And that there's no pause. So if you're just breathing normally right now, just breathe your own way. You probably are breathing through your nose. Although some people do habitually breathe through their mouth. And just sensing for yourself, counting, how long is your inhale? How long is your exhale? And then whichever one is shorter, don't go for the longer one. Could you now change it so that the inhale is the same length as the exhale? And when you exhale, exhale through the mouth. So you inhale through the nose, let's say it's four counts, and then exhale through the mouth. And you're looking straight out at the horizon. You're not looking to the side, you're not looking down. Looking down creates an emotion, looking up creates an emotion. That's a whole other conversation. And you feel how this breath We do it without a pause. So it's not like you're breathing fast, but there's a circulation that's happening 
in and out as if your body is breathing you. Looking straight ahead and exhaling through your mouth. Inhale through your nose, exhale through your mouth. Looking straight ahead. And then we're just going to change it a little bit again. You keep the same length of inhale, the same length of exhale, still without a pause. You can slow it down if you want to, but you're going to do it through the mouth. And then as you breathe in and out through your mouth in this very easy way, make it a deep diaphragmatic breath. Don't let it go into the chest, deep down. And then just let your eyes close a little bit. Keep the breath going. And allow your body to soften a little bit. And there is a complex facial expression that goes with this that we won't worry about right now, but just allowing yourself to breathe like this and letting your mouth just soften a little bit, maybe into a little bit of a smile. And you can make it very slow as long as the inhale and the exhale are the same length. Let your head and neck be soft. You can let your legs fall apart a little bit. Let your hands open. And then to come back, you change the breath pattern again to back into the nose and out through the mouth. Open your eyes, straighten your posture, look straight ahead. And then let it go and come back to your own breathing. How was that? We didn't do the complete pattern because it takes some training, but it gives you a little bit of a feeling of it. It was exquisite for a moment to, to feel that like openness. I feel like my the back of my neck arching a little bit and a softening in my whole body, like and at the same time, with a um, basic brimming sensation, certainty of strength related to safety. Like, normally I would relate to safety as, as being in, in a context or creating a, a framework that I think it is important. And now I felt that actually um, I feel safe because I have that strength that created that safety. And I had a, a, a strange, maybe habitual <laughs> emotional pattern that related safety to closeness or even to anger, like to be, to be on, the, on the watch. And with this um, brief exploration, it was, it was brief, but it was enough to give me the sensation that I have the strength to not to be on the watch or on my guard so I can open. And it was exquisite. It was very, very pleasurable. And also like 
relieving. Maybe I am mixing their emotions, emotional patterns, but I like it a lot and, and I'm sure our audience will enjoy it too. So I do think it's, I, th I think you brought up some other interesting points that is, that, that is interesting. Like, for example, I would not necessarily use the 2A pattern while riding the subway. No, <laughs> never. So, you know, there are places where it's appropriate and places where it's not. No. So if I want to feel present and, uh, and safer on the subway, I might use the zero breath yes. because that puts me into a state of attention and awareness and clarity without sending out any kind of a signal to anybody. Yes. Right? Or if I'm dealing with someone who's being rude to me on the subway, I might do a little bit of 1A tenderness and say, hmm, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yes, I agree. And that would disarm them. So, you know, each pattern has its place yes. where, where I need it. Um, and so, yes, it's wonderful to do this and to feel that sense of safety, but also to choose to do it when I feel safe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To, to be deliberate about the experience of yourself. And right. it made me also think on the appropriateness of sensuality. Say you're in a board meeting. The appropriate thing to do is to, to, to work on, on the task, on the common task at hand and not coerce the, the context or influence the context, neither through anger, nor through, through sensuality, nor the mixing of both Napoleonic style that was a tyrant. So it's wonderful how uh, along self-knowledge comes responsibility mm -hmm. on, on the self, on and how you how you live your your experience mm -hmm. the context where you're in and making sure yourself are safe and the people around you are also safe from you like in, in your like in a napoleonic mode <laughs> or also like try try not to position yourself in where you can fall victim to to a certain context or even even fall victim to, to your unconscious patterns. How, mm -hmm. how, is, um, how does em emotional patterns and the unconscious relate? Not sure what you're asking. Yeah, like um, now we, we went into an exploration that was delivered, but mm. how can you deal with the emotions that go through yourself that you experience <laughs> and and you're already there and you don't know where why are you crying or why are you so angry what what can you do with that you know that's like the million dollar question <laughs> uh, i ask myself this question all the time but always after I've exploded. Right? <laughs> and, and, you know, actually Moshe Feldenkrais says something ab about this that uh, I read it in one of the books and I still haven't found, you know, I've been looking for it 
and to, to find where it comes from. But there was one place in one of his writings where he, he said that once you've been triggered, once the emotional cascade has begun, the habitual reaction has begun, you can't do much about it except watch it because, you know, all the chemicals are already moving through you. Yes. What we, what we need to do is become more and more aware of what's leading up to that trigger point begin to recognize what's happening before the trigger is flipped. Mm -hmm. Cause otherwise it's like, you know, they press the red button for the atomic bomb and then you can't call it back. Too late. Right? So, I mean, I see myself in this often, especially with my husband who I love so much, <laughs> but he can trigger me like there's no tomorrow. And afterwards I always think to myself, why did I do that? What, you know, what button did he push in me? that caused that particular reaction. And, you know, this is 45 years later, I'm still practicing, okay? <laughs> so yeah, I think that that is part of the human experience. Yes. You know, we're not angels, we're humans. Yes. And we're constantly being pulled back and forth between these different states as part of our own evolutionary process. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure that you've had the same thing. I've, I've yes. lived a long time at this point. And, you know, there was periods in my life when I was younger where I didn't express certain emotions. I didn't cry. No one would ever make me cry because of what things had happened to me in my childhood. And then it came out in, you know, crying and crying and crying and crying. What and crying. A wonderful tsunami. It, it was like a tsunami. And then this kind of relationship with all the pent up anger and resentment and how to deal with that and then how to have compassion and then how to have forgiveness. But, you know, the story keeps coming back all the time, right? The story is, what is it that Bessel van der Kolk says? The body keeps the score, right? The body keeps the, the, the bo score. My body will never forget the story that I told myself when I was eight years old but I can learn how to reframe it for myself and recognize when I'm being triggered into that reaction again. And I feel that things like the Feldenkrais method and the emotional body process and, you know, all of these things that we're working on. I mean, I'm in the process of kind of putting it all together into my own system. And so stay tuned. Uh, we will. <laughs> um, you know, that, that those are the things that can help me towards a better emotional maturity or an emotional fluency, however you want to put it. Emotional maturity and emotional fluency. I like a lot this view of welcoming the totality of the self and the experience and the scores that your body is keeping and, and welcome that, all that that you are, in this moment because this is life and it's how it is and we're immersed in a culture of searching for the carrot of happiness with, with that uh, how was the, the statement which is a beautiful oh, no you're, you're talking about the declaration of independence yes of course I just find that the paradox that uh, Americans have to struggle with is that the declaration of independence entitles us to the right to life, liberty, 
and the pursuit of happiness. <laughs> the pursuit of happiness. So, so right. you have the right to pursue the happiness. You have the right to pursue it, and we pursue it all the time. Yeah. And so when do I know when I'm happy? Uh, I think yeah. it's a big question. That's a whole other conversation. A whole how other conversation, I, and I, I and, happy, and I right? would Let's have another podcast called Happiness. Yes, to, to be continued. In the meantime, our audience can keep this ongoing question of: Are you pursuing happiness? Happiness, and how much are you willing to welcome happiness and your life and and your history now as as it is, and welcome the eternity of this moment. Thank you so much, Lavinia. Where can can everybody find you and learn more about this that is so interesting and important? So, of course, anyone can go to my website, which is my name, LaviniaFranca.com. So, you know, I'm, I'm the only one in the world, so you won't make a mistake. The one uh, And I have, I have information there about the Feldenkrais method, about the emotional body method. I have lots of uh, short courses available that explore different aspects of what I call experiential anatomy, um, looking at our connection with deeper ideas, as well as single lessons that are available. And um, I will also be teaching a certification course for the SHIFT Network in 2022. So if you're interested in going even deeper into uh, exploring the process this way, you can stay tuned for information about that. Thank you so much, Lavinia. And thank you, Sensualist, for listening and watching. This was the Sensual Sessions number three with Lavinia Plonka. If you haven't already, please go to centraldepoder.com and subscribe to the essential email and remember to take the time to know your fire so you can share the flame.